From Breaking Bad to Calling Saul, agents led by Son of Call. Oh, Game of Thrones, who's the next to die? House of Cards is full of lies. Supergirl just flew on by. We're chilling, watching Netflix. How much time's gone by? We're talking TV. From suits to supernatural. Talking TV. Blacklist and the Rebels. Sherlock's Big Bang with Orphan Black. True Detective bombed at second crack. The Walking Dead. Arrow and the Flash. Get into Geek. This is Marvel TV Episode 7. Mitch and Maddie back on board for another new episode. How are you, buddy? Yo. Look, we're we're back uh, we're back in the shield wagon a little bit because uh, you know last episode we 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 put shield on the back burner. We're a bit disappointed in the last episode, maybe even the last couple, and we wanted to focus on the the double ep season finale of the first season of Gifted. Oh yeah. So we just oh, we're all gifted. I know. Still it, so good. It was very hard for you to talk about anything else except for Gifted last week. So we put <laughs> Shield on the back burner, but we want to start making up some ground. We got a lot of Shield, and and the 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 thing was two weeks ago when we when we had this talk was. Shield's really hitting that lull, you know, between the mid-season and the end of the season where they're just filling in some time. Just checking boxes, whatever. Let's just get to the end and see what happens. So we were going to start banking up some episodes. So we're just going to do two at a time just to get us there a little bit quicker and hopefully give us a little bit more to talk about. So we will talk about the season premiere of Gifted Season 2 in uh, the second half of this podcast. But as we do each and every week, let's kick it off with a little bit of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Now, we've got six episodes to go uh, in the uh, current fifth season, so we're going to be talking about episodes 17 and 18 uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's kind of good that we are talking about these two at a time, because I was pleasantly surprised, uh, and I, I don't know what it means for you, Maddie, but these ones, this especially this first episode of these two that we're talking about, The Honeymoon, it was named, was the best episode in at least a couple of weeks, and I think collectively these two... There's a lot of things happening. Like I think we're starting to pick up the pace. We see the end of the season coming. So they know where they want to get to and they're starting to get there and things are happening. And that's what I really liked about this first episode. It's really fast paced. It started out as three, quickly became two when two different storylines collided. But we had these separate stories going on with different characters all at once. And the, I, th- I think every group was literally running, so it felt like it was a very mm. fast episode. And it was like, oh, yeah, thank God, definitely a lot of moving slow. parts, yeah. picking up the pace, just yeah, trying to you know, I think amp up the adrenaline to try and get us all excited for, yeah. for whatever's going to happen in the finale. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I was a bit, I was a bit, meh. yeah. I think the first half of the season, those Inhuman fights and the May fights with the Kree and all that kind of stuff, mm. was so 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 good. That, you know, Daisy's fight with Ruby was kind of a bit meh. Yeah. Especially bit... when they've been not so much building up to it, but on Ruby's point of view, where that's her hero, but you knew her being the villain, mm. she's going to need to fight her to even just get past some kind of like mental barrier. Yeah. Well, and Ruby's been so, so much of a, you know, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. For the, you know, since she's been introduced, she's supposed to be like, you know, someone who can go toe to toe with Daisy, even though she's technically not an inhuman. Yeah. Kicked so the shit out like, of Creel last week. Yeah. So it's just like, Oh, is that is that is that all we got? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is is it is it hard to to hide wires in snow? Yeah. I don't know. 
maybe it's easier when they're like you know in a big concrete room but I was just I think it's only because the Inhuman fights um, set such a high bar like we had that little girl just like phasing through that dude's chest and it's just like how can you top that yeah yeah so and then even even May's fights even May's fights with a you know pipe through her leg I still find was more interesting than than what Ruby and um and Daisy were doing so yeah. I was like mm. Especially when you sort of got the feel like how early it was in the episode and the fact that we are six episodes to go, it you knew it wasn't going to be a climactic battle by any means. You know, this wasn't going to be mm, the yeah. last fight these guys were ever going to have. It was the, meet, the first time they've ever actually properly met. We had Ruby telling Daisy that, for all intents and purposes, she is her hero, but she's the one that she's idolised, but she's also the one that she's got to beat. But it's like, well, neither of you are going to get the killing blow on one another. So Yeah, we've still got five episodes to go. Yeah. It's like you knew when Daisy and Sonara had that big fight, the anti-grav fight. Mm. It's like, this is the fight. Yeah, yeah. One of them isn't coming out alive. We know it's going to be Sonara because she's not a serious regular. Yeah. And because we knew, like, however many episodes in that was, we're like, well, they're not staying in space for an entire season. No. So they've got to start wrapping this shit up. And it could have happened at any particular episode. This this is our last one. This could be the fight. So there was that anticipation and, and those stakes. Whereas this one, I'm like, okay, cool. I get to see them kick the hell out of each other, but it's not going to be the final fight. This no. is like the end of the first act yeah. type thing if you're watching a movie. The, the, what I liked about this episode, too, was just there was just a couple of little moments that were even away from the action. And uh, the first one that I, I had down was uh, was Coulson and May had this big D&M about him accepting his death but and how that impacts the team. And she's like, you know, how dare you? You gave yourself up to Hale. And he's like, well, it was either that or the Zephyr be shot down. She's like, oh, but then I could have done this. And if this would have happened, then I could have done... A lot of hypotheticals. Like, she's obviously mm. emotionally reacting to the situation. She was angry at him. He, in his point of view, he's right because he was doing his best for the team. And then he says, too, oh, I've, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to die. And she's like, yeah, you have. We haven't. And that acceptance is actually what's hurting us because you're making these dumbass decisions. And I found myself like agreeing with both of them. But I think come the end of the conversation, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I, I think I'm more on May's side here. Like, Colson is being just a little bit too yeah. re- reactive. I, I kind of was. But then I think the issue that I had was if they weren't in this pseudo are we, aren't we in a romantic relationship? Yeah. I would put more validity into what May was saying. Yeah, yeah, May yeah. has always been the clear thinker, the rational one. And I feel like, I don't know whether it was the lines she was given or whether it was Ming-Nan's performance herself. I think it relied too heavily on the, but I love you, Phil. Like, yeah. it's, it's that that undertone to it. I was like, oh, May's never been one to let sort of her heart and her head mix, especially when it comes to work. Like, she always just, you know, she's... She's that. Well, I mean, we didn't even know she was married or divorced for the first like what two and a half seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she kept that part of her life private. And I understand they're trying to you know grow her character, but it's like it's so late in the fifth season to try and give her character a little bit of growth. Mm. I still find you know when we finally found out what happened in was it Beirut or whatever it was when she got the name Cavalry. I'll like, I'll, then, I'll, I'll happily accept that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, it's like that was the most character growth we saw. For, for May is and it was a flashback to see what what made her the way she is yeah so this to me was just a little bit like okay alright fair enough but I still I just don't buy the whole Phil no. May why can't you know why why can't a man and a woman just have a platonic friendship why do they have to couple people yeah. up in TV shows we already have a couple goals we've got Fitzsimmons yep 
that's our couple goals. Yeah. That's it, you know? And I don't mind Daisy kind of, you know, she had that weird will-they-won't-they thing with Ward and, and then, you know, Link seemed to be her, like, end game, yep. and they killed him. and So it's just like, why can't these two just be lifelong friends that happen to be a different gender? Yeah. Like it's, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely in the same camp as you where I... I don't want that relationship to happen, not because of any stupid reasons or anything. I just, I'm like, there was nothing wrong for the first three and a half, four seasons of this show where they weren't and will they or won't they? They were just. Phil's had like three girlfriends in the. He had like yeah. a girlfriend every season. Yeah. Remember he had um, Constant Zimmer in like season three. She that, was like yeah, the head yeah. of whatever. And they were like hot and heavy real quick until she was killed. And it's like, well. Mm. At no point did he consider May's feelings back then. So no, and it, you weren't sitting there going, "Oh, I wish he wasn't with her because Maisie's the one we're right? waiting for." Like, you don't you don't look, even look at them as a man and a woman in many respects. Like they're just agent and agent. I, know, I think you've said yeah. that before. And so when she says, "You know, this is about the people that love you," and I love you, Phil, and he was sort of taken back. But to me, I'm look I'm listening to that line. I'm like, that's her saying, "I love you" as a person, as a friend, as a as a as a colleague. You know, as someone that I care about in my life. The same way that. Fitz might tell Colson, "I love you." Or yeah. whatever. it's that. That's where I'm like, that please, your love, because yeah. they are they are like a little family, They're yeah, a little family, and I'm totally on board with that. Absolutely, I love TV shows, and Joss Whedon does it better than anyone. Is um, it's not an episode unless I drop his name, um, <laughs> or say that he does it better than anyone. Yeah, <laughs> um, found families. Yeah, where it's a group of people who have no blood relation whatsoever, but they are closer than some blood relatives. Yeah, it's like that's that's what I want to see. Yeah, um, so I like that, but yeah, they don't. It's, it's, maybe maybe that's the issue I have with Maybe it feels incestuous. Maybe I've always looked at Phil and May as like a brother-sister vibe, mm. and now it's becoming this weird incestuous thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was it was like an eternity in that moment where she said that, and I'm like, please don't mean it that way. Mm. And I'm thinking about it, like how they might not mean it that way, and they're, they're, they're sort of leaving behind the will they or won't they, and it's just her going, mm. look, I love you. Yeah. But you know that, like... Everyone else around us loves you in this team. And then she's like, yeah, I thought that would shut you up. And I'm like, oh, hang on. No, that's her yeah. saying, that's me telling you as a love interest, I love you for the first time in our relationship. Yeah. And you forced me to use this particular moment and this circumstance to say those words to you. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad it shut you up, but right. she's still bitter about it. And I'm like, oh, no, no. And that still will been, they won't they? That should have been harder for May to say. It should have been harder for May to say than it was for Phil to hear. Yep. May is not someone who opens up on her emotions. Yep. You know, she's very somber. So yeah, I was just like, really? To throw it in his face there? I'm like, yeah. Mm, choices, but then you have got our, our couple goals, and it was Fitz and Simmons. Um, they were in, you know, they were, they were in that base, evil base. They're there. They got a big shootout going on with uh, the, you know, uh, faceless Hydra robot things, and they were right against it. You know, bottom of the ninth, all that sort of shit. Like we've got, you know, one magazine left of bullets, and they sort of look at each other and give each other a kiss or something. And then they slow-mo, Mr. and Mrs. Smith style, and just <laughs> jubble, jubble, firing. And then, you know, one of them, like, um, for whatever reason, there's, there's armies of robots coming from both directions. So one of them is looking north, one of them's looking south, and then, you know, Fitz turns around, or Gemma turns around. I'm like, don't turn around, you got people at your back. Yeah. But then the other one turns around, I'm like, oh, so you're swapping. Did you communicate that no of course she, it was weird I'm like, oh, I'm a, sync. They I'll, need to communicate. I'll accept that it's slow-mo yeah. and then in slow-mo Gemma's gun seizes up she's like oh no it's jammed and he's like take over and they bust back down like well that was a good idea and I'm like oh, that's kind of fun like they're almost taking the piss and this isn't a show that takes the piss in, and, and is a spoof of, of any description but they are taking the piss out of those shows that do that or moments in movies where it is this you know final flight type thing 
in slow motion. It's like, oh no, that didn't work out for us. That wasn't. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that that's not us. So are they are they hinting at Daisy and Deke? Is that is that them fighting? Is that a brother-sister thing, or is that them flirting with each other? Well, I guess while we're talking about two episodes, we can bring up the fact that in the second episode, Deke, after he was you know, shot, he's operated on, he's full of drugs, and he comes out and he's like, oh, man, that Daisy, she's so pretty. I want to put my mouth in her mouth, and, oh, that's but only right. if she wants me to, because then it's nice that way. And I was like, because it was starting to get into creep territory, <laughs> but then he like, goes full consent about it, and it's like just this nice little puppy dog love sort of thing, and he knows she hates him, but he's in love with her anyway, and so I guess so from his point of view, but yeah, I, I think as an end game for the season, I I don't feel yet that they're going to, well, this is our slow build to Daisy finally coming around on Deke. I think it'll be, if come the end of the season, she or whenever, end of the next episode, who knows, she's like, it's never going to happen. He goes, yeah, okay, it's never going to happen. Mm. And they just both move on from it. Like, I think it's just, it's almost just like a bit of comedy there I hope so at the moment. because yeah. I do feel I get the vibe it's like well remember we were talking a few weeks ago and it's like well originally the character was supposed to be killed off but yeah, they the, liked him the so crew much. And, and cast loved the, the actor so much they're yeah. like no let's, let's bring him to the past with us and I found myself thinking about that in that scene where he was coming in and out of his drugs and I'm like have they almost given him this scene because they think that he's so funny on set? Like, he was good. Mm. He played it very well. Yeah. I thought it was a very funny, um, oh, very funny exchange. The, the scene of him experiencing Zima for the first time is probably yeah. the best he's ever been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, that's probably after he was really supposed to die. And that so. um, uh, fish out of water situation where he's like, maybe I can give her a lemon. Is that a thing here? Like, in my future, we <laughs> yeah. save up our credits and we get a lemon and we put it on someone's pillow. And then Mac and Colson's like, oh, yeah, yeah, go lemon the hell out of that situation. Buy a whole <laughs> bag of lemons. He's like, all right, I'll go get some lemons, you know. And then later on, just that. Psych comedy where it's 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 not it's not at all referenced, but it's like twenty minutes after the lemon conversation, and he's there looking at some monitors with with Colson and Mac, and then he just like brings up a a lemon from out of shot and that's right he's and just sniffs it. it and puts it back down, and they just look at him like oh whatever it's the smell of love yeah, and it's not no one mentions the word lemon they they don't focus on it with a, a close up shot or anything like that it's just there and I'm like I mm. like that that's that's a bit of fun yeah yeah the one thing I didn't like about the, the this first episode um, more than anything else was you get Russian robot guy that's been around for a couple of seasons yeah. fine he's back he's still around that's good but that he was the one controlling all the other robots around him and I'm yeah. like wow even the, the MCU faceless army controlled by something else that can be killed and kill everything off even translate into television yeah. you know kill we the saw it in Avengers 1 all the other saw it in Avengers died. 2 now it's this guy and obviously that led to like a transmission going out to the Hydra people coming like it, it, it was a means to an end but I don't feel like Fitz and Simmons weren't going to get out of that situation with the robots unless that guy was killed and his robot Translink, you know, sent out a, a signal to render them all useless. Like, I feel like they didn't need that to save them. They didn't need no. Yo-Yo to kill Russian robot guy to save Fitz and Simmons from the robot army. I, th- I feel like they exclusively could have handled their own problems. But Yeah, exactly. Whatever. My my main issue is, um, and it's so, 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 so petty, but just going back to, you know, them operating on Deke while he's been shot and all that kind of stuff. Why was Mac wearing a hairnet? <laughs> you, know, you know what? I didn't think about why he was wearing a hairnet. I wondered why he wasn't wearing one over his beard. Right? I'm like, if anything, he should be wearing it over his face. He should Again, be wearing a face mask. This isn't the type of show that would shove him in a hairnet because he's bald because it's funny. Mm. So, you know what? I did not at all think about that until just well, and now. And Dick even makes a joke later on about him shaving his head. Like, it's, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... I wanted to look like him, yeah. Yeah. So, I was just like, so petty, but... 
it just, you know, it's <laughs> one of those little things where I just, cause, cause I put myself in the character's position. It's like, if I shaved my head, I'd be like, why are you making me wear a hairnet? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, then you got an old, uh, old Talbot. He's a sleeper agent. They've, he's called his family. They've given him the old uh, code words over the phone. He's going to go ape shit in the second episode, which he does. Um, mm. Does he kill Robin's mother? Like we know Robin's mother dies before the, like that, that future that we got glimpses of in a couple of years from now where the world's about to go to shit mm. and May is like her surrogate mother. Is this where we lose the mother? Because like he puts her to and he keeps saying to her, tell while he's strangling her, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. I'm mm. like, part of his training as a soldier, I'm sure he would know how to render someone unconscious without killing them. But will this be like a side effect that she just did die and we know she has to die eventually? And if not, why almost kill her now if then they're not going to just kill her again in a couple of episodes time yeah. to up the stakes going shit you're really getting close to this future you're trying to avoid so this might be the yeah, moment and there'd be some repercussions if Talbot is the one that killed Robin's mum yeah because you know, Talbot has been kind of this sort of weary kind of ally-ish yep. I was interesting did they use like Captain America Winter Soldier code words on him uh, the, like uh, was it Freight Car Homecoming 17 or something there, like I that I feel like there was like one or two. Maybe it was just even the, are you ready to comply? Because I feel like they, they said that to Winter Soldier once they brought him out. They gave him all those homecoming and all that sort of uh, stuff. Yeah, but then yeah. it was like, are you ready to comply? And he was like, yeah, I am. Or something like that. So it's just probably in the Hydra handbook. It's like, this is our go-to. This is our sign-off. You know, this is our out. Um, there was a really cool moment um, towards the beginning of, of episode 18. Daisy and May drop out of the Zephyr in that little white box, you know, that's got the jets on it that oh, like, yeah, lowers them down. Oh, yeah, containment box or whatever yeah. it is. So they just, like, fall out of the plane. I'm like, I don't care how brave you are. That's scaring the shit out of you. Um, <laughs> but then it's got the jets, which lowers them, you know, comfortably. And then while they're falling, they're so, so, so close to this Hydra base, the Zephyr fires a missile that zooms right past yeah. them, explodes into the roof, to allow them to drop straight into the hole, and I'm like that is f-ing cool. That's in the in the words of Deadpool, superhero landing. You know, so <laughs> way that was better very than cool. at the start of episode 17 when uh, Yo Yo goes to jump out of the back of the plane, and she's you can clearly see that she's jumping onto a mat. Like she's yeah. <laughs> clearly not comfortable with doing that kind of fake sort of landing <laughs> yeah. thing. She was just jumping onto a mat. So yeah, 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 yeah. I really I really like that. I think that was that was quite interesting and a really nice little um little look at that. Now there's two um, very big deaths uh, in uh, in this second episode that we're talking about. Episode number eighteen. Uh, obviously, uh, Ruby, uh, her her big goal the last couple of episodes working with um, the Von Strucker kid was to become the world killer. Get this. Get, get essentially the Captain America machine. Bathe ourselves in what we find out to be gravitonium, which is why I still don't understand why we absolutely needed that Ruth Negger. Uh, post credit scene to well now two weeks ago episode sixteen where we saw her in you know years past steal the gravitonium mm. and it eats someone we could have I feel like we could have just had Hydra have the gravitonium yeah and the whole people living inside the gravitonium thing I'm like yeah really is that I like, don't know whether that's a throwback to the comics or not but I'm like do do we need that did couldn't we just go the gravitonium sends people crazy do we does yeah. it need to be that it's got its own consciousness in a way it's like it's like venom light type thing like it's mm. this it's this substance but it has got it's self aware like we do we need yeah the fact that it's like do we need to yeah write a post credit scene that's set years ago brings back some old school secondary Not character a tertiary character of best absolutely to engulf him so that he can be one of the personalities in there arguing to escape. Like, yeah. no, we don't need that. And, and, yeah, unless that, that character 
like knowledge that he possesses, like like exposition need to, needed to be given. Yeah. Through the gravitonium as like a message carrier. Yep. What was the point? Makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. So because I mean, Agents of Shield has has picked and chosen what things they stay true to the comics and what things they move around. So yep. it's like if you could just have gravitonium. If that is, I don't know if that is a, a, a byproduct of gravitonium, you know, originally, but it's like. Well, do we really need to bring that in if it doesn't add anything to the story? Mm. I like I like the effect that it had on Ruby. Like when she was so determined, I need to become this. Well, she never said she wanted to become the world killer, but she needed this. She needed this to happen. Von Strucker was going to do everything because he's absolutely fascinated by her. You got the Fitz and Simmons that are like, "This is going to mess you up. This is going to mess everybody up. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it." She goes and does it. She gets eight percent of the treatment done, and she is in absolute agony. She can fly. She can throw things around the room she's screaming get them out of my head like she is in instant regret mm. and you're like man you this is your whole life is going to become this person and you've been it for 27 seconds and you're like at, this is at eight percent at eight percent yeah <laughs> but then when von strucker comes over now he again tertiary as well like he has been in it for a couple of seasons but like once a season you know he came yeah. back this this year i had to remind myself who he was he's here to serve her yeah, purpose i thought he was um uh, Ward's brother for a minute. I'm yeah. like, is he Ward's brother? No, he's a family member of someone else. And then yeah, I'm like, oh, he's Whitehall's son. I'm like, no, other Hydra member. Von Strucker's, yeah, okay, he's Von Strucker's kid. Yep, yeah, cool. And then he gets like the send-off that I, I didn't so much not expect him to die or anything, but just when he goes over, he's like, oh, Ruby, are you okay? And she's like, um, I think... And his head just shrinks. That was cool. And I'm like, holy shit, that looks cool, but that is horrifying yeah. and that's his send off from the show there wasn't like one final moment where you as a viewer go oh okay it's about to oh it happened okay I still felt yeah. something that was just bang shock value and I was and surprised and then it's like yeah. okay did they kill him because it's like he was this emotional touchstone for Ruby mm. that was going to send her off the deep end or something like that but it's like I still it was still never resolved if those two were actually a couple or if they were playing each other like yeah. I still never 100% knew if she was using him to get to her mother or, you know, or her and her mother were secretly using him to get what they wanted. Like, it was never... And that was the feeling that I got. purpose was. So yeah. I was like, well, well, then why... Yeah. I was like, nah. Yeah. It was a cool death. Like, it was interesting. Like, it was brutal. Yeah. And it's like, that's <laughs> definitely going in my list of ways I don't want to die. <laughs> my head crushed. Uh, and then the other death, because uh, we're going to get into Gifted. Yo-Yo, killing Ruby. Um, essentially doing to her what Ruby did. Into, yep, cut my uh, cut my arms off. Well, bitch, I'm gonna use my your little Xena ring and slice your throat open. And uh, you know, uh, Yo-Yo's got her own problems and thoughts about the future and her not dying and prophecies and blah blah blah. But she was like, "I've saved the world." Now, like, oh, hang on, did we not tell you that it's uh, it's actually Daisy that was anyway? It doesn't matter. Yeah, you saved the world. Yeah, don't go crazy, lady that can run really fast and kill us. <laughs> um, so yeah, that I was like just getting over the fact that Von Strucker had died. And then suddenly Ruby's done. It's like, hang on. You were never like the the big bad of the season, but we've got four episodes left, and you were being built up to be this like very key part, very key soldier in uh, in in the Hydra side of things. So, four episodes to go. I'm like, okay, are we are we now getting into Daisy territory where something happens where it does still still draw her, or she does go to become this character, or is it all about Coulson and his looming death? And I don't know. Yeah, because my thought was also it's like, well, in the bad timeline. Was it actually Ruby that was the destroyer and that caused the destruction of the world because she couldn't handle more than like 8%? Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, does Yo-Yo killing Ruby break the time loop? Yep. Or is this, yeah, stuff that was supposed to happen already? And I found myself getting frustrated on um, on, on Fitz's point of view because he's there... 
like and, and Simmons, but like when she was asking about time and 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 is it possible to even change the future? And I'm like, and he's like, well, clearly we've done this every other time. Well, you know what? We we could have done this every time. And I'm like, if you're in that situation. You don't know what decision you make because you can make a decision and then you go, oh, I'm actively going to not do what I just said I would do. And I'm like, you don't know whether you did that last time around. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of the things I love about time loops yeah. is the that predestined fate kind of thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, there was also that moment with, with Yo-Yo where it's like, it almost seemed like she, she didn't know what she was doing. She was mm. completely, she was just in the moment killing Ruby and was completely unaware of what she was doing. Yeah. And I was like, was it that, or was she just playing up the this new thing where she's oh she's got this pain in her arms, yeah, which seems to have come out of nowhere in episode seventeen? Yeah, and yeah. It's like I'm like, have you not run since you got those fake arms? Like right? I'm I'm trying to remember how many episodes she's had them, and I know well, she was bedridden she, for a while, but when she got she had to go out and get Mac, and when they trapped him in the room and stuff, oh like yeah, that. So she's done that. She's held Mac in place in That's other true. times, like yeah. with her super strength, and it's just like it didn't hurt then. Really now, why? Yeah, why now? Yeah. So yeah, I was a bit. Maybe your arm's going to grow back because they've broken the time loop. And they're just they're just growing through the middle. If only. <laughs> That's what happened to um, Angel in the X Men comics. So like he, you know, he got those big metal wings from um, Apocalypse. Yeah. At one point in the in the comics later on, after they defeated Apocalypse, like years and years later, he's in this massive pain, massive pain, and suddenly like he's got this new set of like feather wings that sort of just like shatter all the all the steel because they've been growing inside this Sweet. whole time. It's very cool. Well, with four episodes to go, I'm, I'm happy though. Like, there's a lot of you know, ups and downs in this episode still. I think this, collectively, this two weeks is better than the last three, maybe even four weeks. So I'm eyeing it off with some optimism still, so at least that may be, heading into the last four episodes. So we'll go into the next uh, two mm. in next week's Marvel TV podcast. So right now, let's move on to something all new. It's all new Gifted and all new season Gifted Season 2. Yeah, buddy. Episode one, Emergence. Now, the first thing I noticed about this, and I looked a little bit ahead, obviously last year or last season, every episode had an X in the title. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a capital X, everything else was lowercase. Okay, cool, X, X-Men, I love what you're doing. Here it's M, and I'm like, oh, cool, M for mutant, cool. Then I'm thinking like all the other little things I know about X-Men with House of M and all this other yeah. stuff. I'm just like, or okay, great. are the seasons going to spell out X-Men? Like, is yeah. season three going to be E? E yeah. is going to be capitalized. I'm like, so many, so many possibilities. What are right. we doing? And I get it. You couldn't think, keep thinking of new words that were relevant to the episode that had an X in them, obviously. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this this actually kicked off in an interesting way for me. I'll, I'll get to it because I know that you, you're excited. You, you've watched this uh, a, a couple of weeks before me. So I'm, I'm going to get to my... a couple f- of times. Sure. So I'll get to my <laughs> fresh reaction to it, then I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, Mutant Homeland they're talking about. I'm like, okay, cool. Like th- That group, was it the... Okay, I should probably start this off correctly. Is that the Hellfire Club meeting? Like, did the did the yeah? That's that's the inner circle right. of the Hellfire. So, so that's the, basically Kevin Bacon's group from First Class. Did the triplets go in and then just wipe out the inner circle of the Hellfire Club in that meeting because that one chick that they're working for like disagreed with? I'm like, whoa. Yeah. All right, you're cleaning think, up shop. I think she's going to be the Black Queen. I right. She's, she's going to be a Black Queen because typically there's like a helpful there's like you know Kevin Bacon's character, but they have a White Queen and a Black Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The white Queen is normally um, the triplets are that like the girl's mother. Yeah. Um, Emma Frost. Yep. And then there's a Black Queen. Now, she's been a few different characters, the most common one being Miss Celine, who was like a psionic vampire and stuff like that. Mm. But given that this uh, Reaver's got like, yeah, this big black braid, which looks badass, and the black lips, I'm like, okay, she's definitely going to be like a Black Queen. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of vibe, which I like. Well, that was cool. Like, and I thought, either oh, we're time jumping here. No, after that, then they have the, the title card come up saying six, six months, months later. later. I'm like, wow, okay, so this is all 
in the immediate aftermath of all the Atlanta stuff. Yeah, like straight after we were used, like our group was used to free um, yeah. the other two uh, twins. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were talking about the importance of having, obviously, once you find out, just gotten Polaris on their side. They're like, this kind of mutant only comes around once a generation, you know? Yeah. And of course, they'd be aware of who her father is. So it's like, man, we. You know, we could have had him. We got now we got her. Let's let's make all this happen. But uh, what I like so much in the early uh, couple of minutes of this episode about the time jump was considering the first season was so you know was such an in, was in such a short time span. The six month jump allows the, the when I say new characters, new characters to that group like Blink and like Lauren, who were still trying to work out their mutant powers, actually have six months worth of training and practice up their sleeve. So yeah. when they go into that raid, which that was a full-on raid, like they come in, they're beating the shit out of mutants in the street, calling them muty. and slow shot of that one woman like standing up to them. Yeah. Like like holding people behind and just going, Rah. I was like, oh, holy shit. Son. Yeah. This is getting real. Yeah. Real, real dark. And so these guys, that, that's their new mission is to go out and stop these raids from happening and rescue mutants. And you've got, you know, Blink opening up wormholes. Yep, sweet. Jump in that. Lauren goes out. She puts up the barriers. Yep. Hold the door back. Yep. Save the mutants. And jump back through. And barriers look different now? They, I think they've changed the, the oh, effect. It almost, like, because they were just like water molecules in the past. Yeah, like and but, flat almost. like yeah. yeah. And now it's almost like they have that Fenris yellow kind of glow around them. Yeah, so okay. I don't know if maybe because they finally got to release the Fenris power, yeah. maybe it's, you know, amplified her power a little bit or changed it or they just went, okay, it's new season. Everyone's got new hairdos. Let's redo the... Um, the CG as well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying hairdo. Because um, I know that I called for it in our last episode about Andy and his mop and going, I'm just getting so sick of this mop. <laughs> um, even for me, wow, this is a big change. Um, change. Yeah, big yeah change. he's went short. He's bleached it blonde. He's seemingly wearing Polaris's old jacket. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. I just found it strange for me. I'm like, God, that kid needs to get a haircut. Literally the next scene that I see him in, I'm like, I do not recognize you well, maybe anymore. Maybe he listens to our podcast because <laughs> apparently, now don't quote me on this, but I think the act- actor actually did that on his own. Oh, wow. Like yeah. in the off season. Yeah, okay. He, just went, um, he must have been as sick of the mop as you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did it. And I guess he must have just sold it to the producers and just like, well, Andy's going through some changes, so yep. it fits. And it's a bit like that um, that movie Boyhood that came out a couple of years ago and they filmed it over like you know 10 or 12 yeah. years. And they would get together a couple of months of every year and regardless of how the, the lead actor, the kid, looked, the director would just have to write around that. So if he went through a goth phase, well, then the character went through a goth phase. You know, if he mm-hmm. went and got piercings or he, you know, shaved his head or anything like that, got tattoos, they had to write that as part of the character. So that's that's actually kind and of cool. Does, I actually like that. It does make he and, he and Lauren look a little more like brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, it for almost, sure. They're almost playing up the twin aspect because yeah. they are a couple of years different, but now they kind of look like they could be twins. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, the, the, for me, this, this episode, it was just like, okay, we're going to set the scene. You know, like the last season... You know, you set the scene in episode one, but then probably the next six episodes just really carried on this like one story. Mm. It never stopped. It felt like it was an episode or a season of 24. It just, it was picking up the pieces from last week. This one's like, okay, we're all settled down, new season. Uh, here's where everyone is. And then all of a sudden, the second half is literally just about Polaris successful, trying to successfully have a baby and mm. not destroy the city that she's in, you know? And yeah. I, I like that that's playing a role in, in her powers and how it's manipulating things around it. I'm like, is it because the baby's powerful? Is it because it gives you greater powers? Yeah. Or is it just because it's just messing shit up and it's like, even for a mutant, it's dangerous to get pregnant and have a child. Like, yeah. it's, it could be any well, of that. And that's it. As far as I'm aware, this is the first I've seen in terms of whether it's a cartoon, live action, whatever. 
of a mutant pregnancy. Now, yeah, Marvel yeah. have done pregnancies before, like, you know, like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones have a child. Um, there's lots of... Preg- this is the first time I've seen, like, a mutant pregnancy, like mm. a mutant and a mutant having a child together. So this will be interesting to see how that plays out. The only one that I'm aware of that was in a... Co- and you're going to love this. It's the most <laughs> twisted thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So, uh, you know, multiple man. He was... Yep. Yep. So he was married to Siren, who is the daughter of Banshee, mm. you know. So that would do it. He got like blind, blackout, fall down drunk one night, made a clone of himself. One of them went home and banged Siren. The other went and banged some girl that he had a crush on, M, yeah. another character yeah. named M. And Siren got pregnant that night. Now, because he was so blackout drunk, he has no idea whether it was him or whether it was the clone. So he doesn't know where they... Because team clones don't don't count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either he cheated on his missus and the clone went home to his missus or his clone cheated on his missus. Not yeah. sure which one. Anyway, Siren gets pregnant. They go through nine months of quite a hard labor, very much, and, you know, hard pregnancy. Yeah. Very much like Polaris has. The baby is born, little boy, multiple men, picks it up for the first time to see his son and it absorbs into him. Wow. And disappears because it was one of his clones. Oh, long. shit. Yeah. So Holy ba- shit! That's heartbreaking. Oh my god! Right? Oh my just god! Just absorbed his own because it was she was carrying one of his clones. Yeah, he impregnated her with one of his his clone impregnated her with another clone. So as soon as it touched him, absorbed into him like all his other clones. And did. if you've seen Multiplicity, you know that a copy of a copy never works that well. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see that. And Polaris looks like everyone's changed more hair chat, but everyone's changed their hair dude. Yeah. Polaris looks so comic accurate yeah, at right. the moment. I am loving it with the curls and all that awesome. kind of stuff. Blinks, not so much. Okay. The weird purple. I'm no, I'm not sold on it. But I did love how she was like putting on the contacts and covering yeah. up her mate. And she was like, Ugh, I look so basic. Yeah. I'm I love like, that one. Yes. And Johnny looked so proud of her when she said that too. I mean, they're a couple, they're living together, you know. They got a little thing going on there. I really want to talk about Reed's powers, but we're really Ugh. just getting teased about that. I know you were fearing that going into this season, so we only get a, t- a taste of it. Really, what you see is what you get. So we can talk about it in episode two. I assume next week we're going to uh, explore that a little bit oh, more. Yeah, you're going to be- better believe they're going to ring this to death. <laughs> Who cares? I want to know more about the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, come on. No the one cares about you. Old man. The one thing that I really didn't like about this episode, well, I couldn't understand, is that triplets, you know, you, you know, they can tell anyone that they literally were going somewhere. They had a, a, a guy at the gate, at a boom gate, open up their windows and they're like, You can let us in. Our names do not matter. And he's like, Okay. okay. They drive in through. They go into this bloke who owns this factory, this warehouse, or whatever, and they're like, You will give us this building and this is why you will give it to us. And they give him all this money. And he's like, no, I'm not giving it to you. And they're like, we can make you do it. This is just easier. And I'm like, is it though? How is it easier? You literally, I know, I'm sure you're rich. You got this company that's got all this money. You know, however you've been bezeling it and stuff to keep the little organization afloat. You literally just made the guy outside, to, um, like do what you want. You've done, you've done that with literally everyone you've needed to for the last five, six, seven episodes you've been a part of. Yet with this guy, you need to give him money to make him do what you want. Is it accountability? Is it a fall guy they need? But what? I don't know. I just found that really strange, mainly because it followed on. It's like, we're going to tell this guy what to do with our mental powers. Hey, this guy, we need you to do something. Oh, it's really hard to do the mental power thing. Here's some cash that humans delve into. I'm right. like, what? What a so waste. Really, is that easier? Is mm. losing all that money easier than just using your powers that you know you can use all the time? 
Um, I know we've got to wrap up, but I did want to fire through a couple little things just to be of note. Uh, this episode directed by, and he's now an executive producer, Robert Duncan McNeil. Yep. Uh, Lieutenant Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager for seven oh, right, years. Right, right. Boom. He's now like quite a successful TV director. Uh, he was directed almost every episode of Dexter, apparently, or something like yeah, well. that. Anyway, he's in it, so I'm stoked about that. Um, Kate being a full-blown nurse now, not about it. <laughs> um, those red, white, and blue DNA flags in the vision that they gave Polaris at the end was shit house. That just no, no, it's not going to happen. Um, I'm hoping we don't see Ta- Agent Turter again because he, yeah. he was in the previously on, but wasn't yeah, in the episode. That's true. So I'm fine with that. Um, and Marco, he knows like how to like bring the feels and that. Yeah, kind of that stuff. that end shot too. It was very, very, very cool. And um, and it, was it was it a sexual joke when he said he sure as hell knows what Polaris's powers feel like? Was that, uh, a, was that a sex thing? I got, um, maybe, but I didn't get it that way. <laughs> um, and aside from that, obviously, right at the end, the baby's name is Dawn, and in the in the vision they gave her, it's like, oh, it's the dawn of a new age. So yes, I, like there was that little parallel. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, I'm like, well, of all the like crazy names you guys have as mutants and stuff, and you name her Dawn, I'm like, well, that's kind of normal. So hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's good. Like you can't really see where this season's going yet. It's just sort of setting the stages, and and I I I, I like that because yeah, it, the first season did it very well. And I'm so... not usually a fan of a time jump. To me, a time jump usually means oh shit, we run out of ideas. But yeah, it's okay. Like, well, no, after all the shit that went down, this time jump makes sense. Yeah, and to find where people are sort of now. So yep. I like that, and the fact that they've relocated to Potomac. Uh, which because that's where the junkyard is. Yeah, it's like a ten-hour drive from where they were in Atlanta, so they've totally like fled yeah, the area. Cool, They're cool, like cool. in Washington now as well. So. Yeah, sweet. I like it. I'm about it. All right, we'll be back next week to talk uh, two more episodes of Shield, but uh, more importantly, this this stage because of how uh, we're feeling about the respective shows. Episode two of season two of The Gifted, so you can check out all of our old uh, Agents of Shield chat from uh, this current season and season one of The Gifted on our podcasting channels. Just search "Get Into Geek." Uh, follow us on the socials: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're there as well. Drop us a longer line if you want. Get in Geek at gmail.com. Individually, myself, Mitch underscore Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. You want to come and talk about some geeky shit? Maddie, where you at? Uh, at High Pitch Maddie. We'll see you back next episode of Marvel TV, Episode 8, talking more S.H.I.E.L.D. and Gifted. Bye-bye. Get into Geek.